All right, let's do this. We're going live in five, four, three. Welcome to HR Latte, your connection to all things HR. Today's great HR department is foundational for today's successful business. Listen in as host Rayanne Thorne gets personal with practitioners and technologists, experts and thought leaders who care about the world of human resources. And now for your next cup of talent management, whipped to perfection. Hey everybody, this is Rayanne Thorne. Thanks for joining us today. I am very excited about this particular episode. I have a wonderful guest who reached out to me not too long ago, Michael Bungay. Stanier. I'm going to mess it up, Michael. I'm sorry. Ray, let me interrupt because I'm going to say this. I once got a letter addressed to me to Michael Banging Spaniel. (laughs) So honestly, there's nothing you can say that's worse than Banging Spaniel. Okay, I I promise I won't call you Banging (laughs) Spaniel. That's crazy. Okay. Michael is my guest today. He is the author of The Coaching Habit, Say Less, Ask More, and change the way you lead forever. Michael, thanks so much for joining me today. You are the senior partner and founder of Box of Crayons. You're also an Australian Rhodes Scholar. I don't think I've ever spoken to an Australian Rhodes Scholar. That's fantastic. But you're living (laughs) in Canada now, and your other books books include Do More Great and The Philanthropic End Malaria. I would probably want to have you back to talk about that particular book because that sounds really intriguing to me, especially in the day and age that we're living in right now, when there seems to be a little bit more talk about giving out Mm. and a little less talk about the selfish capitalistic lifestyle that happens in North America. So we'd love to have you back to talk about that book. Well, it's cool that you're asking me about, you're just mentioning it today because today's actually the fifth anniversary of its launch. We launched it September the 7th. 2011. It's a book I published with Seth Godin, who lots of people may I have heard of. I love Seth Godin. Yes, he's been yeah. a mentor of mine for quite a while. Well, I will definitely have to look up that book, order it, read through it, and then you and I need to get together again to talk about this, especially sure. now that we are on the fifth anniversary of its release. I want to give you a moment, Michael, to t- tell us a little bit more about yourself, how you came to a place to write the book titled The Coaching Habit. Sure. So this is the fifth book I've written. So Ray, you need to know that as I started writing this book three or four years ago, I was like, I've kind of got the whole book thing down. I kind of know how it goes. You know, some people go, oh, I'm, I'm trying to write a book and they spend their lifetime trying to write the book. But for me, it's like once I see the vision of the book, I'm pretty much good to go and I write and I go through that process of writing drafts. This book almost killed me. <laughs> I wrote, <laughs> I wrote, uh, I wrote a, a version of the book. It was terrible. I wrote another oh, no. version of the book. It, it was also terrible. I then pitched a version of my book to my my publishing company. They said, this is terrible. <laughs> um, and one of the things that's really worth asking anybody who goes, I'm going to write a book, is to go, why? Why on earth would you write a book? It is a sad and lonely oh. and painful experience <laughs> where you grow to hate yourself and hate the topic of your book. Oh, no. But as you go through that dark valley of the soul, as you as you face that, I kept coming back to this topic in the coaching habit, in part because it just wouldn't leave me alone. And its origins are this, you know, for my whole life, I've been interested at asking questions. As a teenager, 
I'd be the guy sitting in the angst-filled conversation with my angst-filled teenage friends about their angsty love life. And I was pretty good at asking a question and listening, even though part of me sat there going, I don't don't know what I'm doing here at all. (laughs) And when I was at university, I uh, became a crisis counselor for a youth suicide hotline. And I did my first training in terms of asking questions and staying curious. And then when I moved to England, I saw the rise of coaching happening in California. And, you know, I was in England at the time, so you're like, well, that's just a weird Californian thing. But actually, it looked interesting to me. So when I moved to the States, I I did my coach training kind of in the early 2000s. And about that time, about five years later, so about 2005, I wrote my first book. The book is called Get Unstuck and Get Going on the Stuff That Matters. And it's a self-coaching book. And I sent it off to famous people hoping they'd write nice blurbs about it because that's, that's what you do. You're desperate yes, to try and get somebody yes. to give you some affirmation. And I sent it to one guy called Peter Block. Now, I don't know if you know Peter's work, but he is just such a great thinker in this space of how do you show up as a grown-up at work? How do you be authentic? How do you take responsibility for your own life, for your own freedom? It's a real kind of philosophical theme in my work as well. How do we be adults in our own lives? And Peter was kind enough to look at the book and write a blurb on it. And he said this, he said, look, coaching is not a profession. It's a way of being with each other. And I I love love that. that. Yeah, I love that. That's wonderful. Because it kind of pulls the thread on this whole capital C coaching, which, you know, has life coaches or executive coaches and every normal person goes, well, that's not me. I'm just normal. And for me, a lot of what we do is trying to, in a sense, democratize coaching, just make it an everyday tool that everybody can use. The biofeedback of friendship, you know, it's that whole, let me share with you what's going on with me. What do you think? And if we can be real enough with ourselves to stop for our ego for a moment and listen, right? Yeah, perfect. I love it. So that's kind of the origin, which is like, I've had this fuel to try and make coaching accessible to people. And when what, what does that even mean? It just means how do you stay curious just a little bit longer? Right. How do you rush to giving advice just a little bit slower? And that's the essence of what the book is about. I, I love it. Well, I really appreciate the fact that you decided to come here on HR Latte and share with me a few of the ideas from the book. This is a key point podcast, which means I'm going to select a couple of key points from the book and make them part of our conversation here sort of to incite or entice folks to mm. to take a little bit further look at the book, but also to gain a quick hit uh, grasp of some knowledge, right? Because that's what this is all about. That's what podcasting exactly. is all about. It's it's. I spent years in theater. I loved being an actress on stage. I loved directing my cast on stage. And it was all about changing the lives of the people that were sitting in that audience. Mm-hmm. And I feel the same way about podcasting. I feel like if I'm not changing a thought, if I'm not opening a mind or a heart, then I'm not doing my job. So I'm hoping that we'll we'll come away from this with that same impact on our listeners. So, let's do that. So let's thanks, see if we can stir things for, up a bit. Thanks for joining me today. So the book, let's talk about it real quick, right out of the gate. Who should read it? Who should buy it to gain the most benefit? <laughs> well, see, you should never ask an author that question because they're like, <laughs> every single person in the world That's should buy my I book. That's why I But I tell you, I, here's who I wrote it for. I wrote it for busy managers and leaders who actually like their work. They're engaged in it. But honestly, they're up against three things. They're feeling a bit overwhelmed by just how much stuff they have to get done. They're feeling perhaps that their team is a little overly dependent on them. They've kind of got too much 
reliant on them. They're not as self-sufficient as they'd like to be. Or maybe that manager's feeling they've become a bottleneck for their own team. And the third kind of vicious circle is around feeling disconnected from the why of the work. You know, the Simon Sinek, why do we do this work? What at Box of Crayons we call doing great work, work that has more impact and work that has more meaning. So that's who I had in mind when I wrote this. But what's been cool is getting kind of uh, feedback from people outside that more obvious target group who've enjoyed it. And I'll, I'll tell you this quick story, Ray. One of the cool moments of this book is on the same day, we got an order for 120 copies of the book for the Dorset Police Force down oh, in England, wow. which was like amazing. They're like, we're changing our that. culture. Yes. We're doing that. So the same day, we got an order for 120 books for a halfway house for convicted felons in Colorado. Wow. And I'm like, this is perfect. We've got, the, we've got felons on one side, police on one side, and we're all <laughs> seeing the benefit of this type of conversation. I love that. Well, that is a great story. Michael, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, You preface a little bit in this book about the most powerful coaching question. I'm going to call you on the carpet on this, and I want you to tell me why this particular question is the most powerful question. We'll get to that right when we come back with a little word from our sponsor, Dovetail Software. We'll be right back. HR Latte is brought to you by Dovetail Software, a SaaS-based HR case management and help desk solution to ease today's HR departments into tomorrow. Simple but powerful real-time employee engagement, knowledge management, and detailed analytics empower human resource departments and shared services teams to effectively handle any type of employee interaction. Dovetail Software, by HR, for HR. Hey, everybody, we are back. My guest today is Michael Bungay Stanier. I said it right that time. Flawless. (laughs) Thanks, Michael, for joining me today. Michael is the author of The Coaching Habit, Say Less, Ask More, and Change the Way You Lead Forever, a perfect book for the HR community, which is what my show is geared toward, but also the world of work, right? All of what we do has to do with the humanity of work. And Mm -hmm. so... In your book, you mentioned the most powerful coaching question in the world. And I want to call you on this and talk to you about why. Um, now, I get it. Coaching, psychology, advice is all about talking to the person that needs, needs to hear some advice from me, right? Or right. counsel from you. Yep. Uh, there's a little twist that you throw in here. And I really love this twist. And I want you to talk a little bit more about it. So before I give it away, why don't you tell us what the most powerful question is in coaching? Sure. So it's a really simple question. It's got just three words. What's convenient for me is the three words, the acronyms A-W-E. So it's or it's awesome. It's literally an I awesome love question. That. And here is the question. Drum roll, please. <laughs> Thank you very much, Ray. It's perfect. The question is, and what else? And now what here's else? what's happening, Ray. As I say that. Across the entire HR latte community, there's a <laughs> sigh of like disappointment. Yes. <laughs> and they're like, oh, man, I thought this was going to be a really good question. But and what else? That's just ordinary. So let me explain why I think it's the best coaching question in the world. And there's two kind of key reasons. The first is the first answer somebody gives you is almost never their only answer. And it's rarely their best answer. But so many of us have this kind of desperate desire to move on, get to advice, get to action. 
that we tend to take the first answer as the only answer they have. And being able to stay just helping them generate new insights and further answers is really powerful for them. But the second reason it's connected is that and what else is one of the best self-management tools I know. Because one of the things that we're talking about in this book is how do you get more curious and what you become aware of as you start practicing is just how much you love to give answers, how much you love oh, to give yes. advice and solutions. It's like, you know, people start talking and you've stopped listening after about six seconds. Now you're just you're, waiting for them to shut up so you can tell them what to do. See what exactly. I just did. What am I going to say? What am I going to You got to stop talking and listen to what I'm going to say. Exactly. Right. So, and what else? is a way of managing your own desire to leap in and I'm doing air quotes here, right? I love Add it. value by telling people what to do. And you're like, if I can stay curious just a bit longer, that not only serves me, it means I work less hard, but it serves them because it allows them to have the aha moment, increase their capacity, their potential, feel ownership, get more self-sufficient, and that serves everybody. Well, it's interesting that this is the one issue that I really wanted to address because it coincides so tightly with my next question that talks about habits, right? Mm. So before we go there, you have a little haiku in the middle of the chapter about <laughs> about the question that I wanted to read here because some of my fans are haiku writers. And so okay. I, I love to talk about haikus and actually say them. I need to actually get better at writing them. And you would think that I am because I'm a very concise writer. But here's the little haiku. And I love how you start this chapter with, or this little segment, you tame the advice monster. So right. tell less and ask more. Your advice is not as good as you think it is. <laughs> I, love, I love that. We all think that we have the most important thing to say and we, and we don't. We right. just don't. Yeah, pe it, people love that. You know what? I need to, you're making me think I need to get that designed as a poster that people do. can download because really people do. really love that. So really do. that's awesome. I'm taking that as an idea. See, I've been inspired by your podcast and I'm your guest. There you just go. Who knows that's what's happening to everybody to else listening in? I love that. Yeah. I love that. And in order to really understand the impact that this type of question has, you actually at the top of the segment or the bottom of the segment, reference a 1984 study by Howard Beckman and Richard Frankel that says 18 seconds is the average amount of time. And this is just phenomenal to me. 18 seconds is the average amount of, a time, of time that a doctor can keep from interrupting a patient. Mm -hmm. 18 seconds, exactly. even though you should be listening to, <laughs> to the patient and what, right. the, what the issue is. So this is great really, really good advice and leads us right into the next topic that I want to discuss before we wrap up today. The time always goes so quickly and I'm so glad you are my guest here today. My guest today, Michael Bungay Stanier, is Perfect. the author of The Coaching Habit, Say Less, Ask More, and Change the Way You Lead Forever. You talk a little bit about habits. Now, it's my understanding that a task becomes a habit after you do it for two to three weeks consecutively. Yes, I'm going to so disagree. Now, now you're making me rant. You're, you're, <laughs> a, you're deliberately baiting me now. Oh, I know you're doing that. I'm so good at that. So so let's talk about habits, right? Exactly. And, and how they can become a habit. And maybe we shouldn't call them habits. Maybe we should just call change. It change, you know, the change how you live, the change how you work. And why we can't just call it a long-term goal? Why do we need to label it as a habit? 
I mean, the very first chapter of the book is devoted to this whole idea about habits because habits are the building blocks of behavior change. You know, you said when you wanted people to listen to this podcast, you want them to you know, open their head, open their heart, yep. inspire them, get them a new insight. I want that and I want people to do something differently as a result of that. I want to translate from insight to action. And here's our challenge. Even when people listen to this podcast or maybe pick up the book and read it and they go, I love this stuff. I love these seven questions. I love being curious. Right. What we have is some deeply deep grooves about how we behave. And it's typically jump in after 18 seconds, interrupt, move to action, advice giving, solution providing. So we're really looking to disrupt unconscious ways of behaving. That's what a habit is. And so in the first chapter of the book, we share what we call the new habit formula. And we're drawing on people like Charles Duhigg, who wrote a great book called The Power of Habit, uh, BJ Fogg, who has a fantastic website called tinyhabits.com, uh, Leo Babauta, who has another great website called zenhabits.com. These are all great people to know about. But uh, our new habit formula is simple but powerful. It's got three parts to it. So here are the three parts. The first part is <clears throat> the headline is when this happens. And when what this means is you need to identify the trigger, the situation, the context in which this old behavior occurs. The second part of the new habit formula is to ask instead of, and that's when you identify the old habit, the ah. old behavior that you're looking to change. And then finally, the third part is I will. And that's when you articulate a new habit that you will do in 60 seconds or less. So forget about coaching. This is a tool you can use in any sort of behavior change for your life. And I'll, let's make the, the formula come to life. So you want to meditate because we've all read that meditation is a silver bullet towards right, emotional right. intelligence and calmness and generosity and being a good person in the world. But if you're like me, you've struggled to meditate all your life because, you know, it's hard and there are better things that feels like you could do. So here's what that's, this new habit sounds like. When I get up in the morning and after I fed the cat, so that's when this happens, that's the trigger, after yes. I feed the cat, instead of whipping out my phone and checking my email, which is what a lot of us do, I will <laughs> sit on my meditation cushion for 60 seconds. Now, you see, I'm not trying to promise I'm going to meditate for an hour or, right. or 40 minutes or 20 minutes. I'm going, look, if I can just crack the first 60 seconds, the micro habit, it sets a me up for success habit. with all sorts of other habits. So that's the new habit formula. I mean, we unpack it more in the book. And in fact, if people are really curious about this habit stuff, on thecoachinghabit.com, there's a downloadable report talking about the six key kind of gurus around habit building that might be useful for people. I really like this idea. <laughs> I really like this idea because, you know, every January 1st, we mm. sit around and talk about a New Year's resolution. And for the last 10 years, I have refused to set a resolution, to talk about a resolution or, or give myself a resolution because I know that that's not a habit. It's right. something that I'm looking at to achieve. And once I get there, I'm done, right? So I, I really prefer to talk about habits or changes in behavior as opposed to setting a goal, a short-term goal or a, a New Year's resolution, which the most common one obviously is losing weight. And we say, I will lose weight instead of I will change the way I eat or I will add exercise or I will, you know, what are we going right. to do instead? I love the instead of what a great way to think about it and look forward at it. In the book, you say that 45% of our waking behavior is habitual. And this comes from a Duke University study. Mm -hmm. So 45%. 
Right. We just, I mean, basically just half, half of your work waking life, you're on automatic. You're not you're really thinking auto, about right. things. Yeah, it's very disconcerting if you think about it at all too hard. Like, wow. So how can we ever expect our life to be surprising or lush or wonderful or happy if we have, we're on this auto mode, right? Sometimes I think about when I'm driving down the hill from my home to the post office and I get to the post office and I think, did I even stop at those three stop signs on the way here? It's so much yeah. habit that I don't even remember doing the required law-abiding necessities. And what's awesome is you probably did stop at the three stop signs because your big brain, your unconscious brain, which is running the show, is actually pretty good at doing all of that sort of stuff. But it does beg the question, and you brought it up beautifully, which is, you know, so habits are really helpful because it means that we don't overthink everything. We don't kind of panic when we open our cupboard in the morning and it's like, oh my God, how do I choose what to wear? Right. But you also want to be mindful about which where you want to be in automatic and where you want to bring consciousness to it. And one of the things that we're talking about in the book is when you're interacting with people, how do you be more conscious about being more curious? That I love that. How do you be more conscious about being curious? What a great way to wrap up this show. Thank you so much, Michael, for joining me today. Michael is the author of The Coaching Habit, Say Less, Ask More, and change the way you lead forever. It has been a pleasure to have you on the show. We need to have you back. I hope we can make that happen. I hope so too. It was a lot of fun. Michael, if anybody wants to reach out to you and get in touch with you, other than ordering the book, which you can do on Amazon, Mm -hmm. what is the best way for them to do that? Yeah, you know, there's a thousand ways because we live in that connected world. But the the (laughs) starting point is probably the Box of Crayons website. Okay. So that's boxofcrayons, all one word, dot biz, B-I- Z or B-I-Z, depending on where you okay. live in the world. That's true. If you're curious about the book, thecoachinghabit.com has just a ton of free resources. So whether or not you pick up the book, you, you should go there to kind of check out videos and download bits and pieces because you're perfect. You're welcome to come and pillage the website. I love that. Pillage the website. Well, we will make sure that that information is available in the bio of this particular episode. Again, Michael, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining me today on HR Latte. Rayanne, it's a pleasure. Thanks. We'll see you all soon. 